Welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're talking about building a portfolio with a lower income, or on a single income, I should say. Now, this comes from a listener of the show, Travis, and Travis sent me a great email before the last webinar. He said, I'm really looking forward to that webinar in a week's time. Wanted to see that topic for discussion because this is what I'm wanting to learn about. And he says, I can't figure out with current increased prices, lower yields, how you realistically go about building a portfolio of two plus investment properties, even if your owner occupier is freehold or nearly freehold. And you've already done a lot of the other tactics we've talked about. So things like cutting credit cards, extending mortgage terms, of course, it wouldn't apply if your property is already freehold. If you've already optimized all of that situation, how am I able to build a portfolio at today's prices with today's yields? You know, is there anything I can do or am I just limited by the math until serviceability, you know, my income catches up a little more and things start to work in my favor? You know, what can we do here? And I think this is a great question because it's so much harder to build a portfolio than it was when you were starting out 50 years ago, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got that one. Uh, yeah, we, we're talking off here. It is remarkably harder now, especially when we crunch numbers like this. You know, someone on a decent income compared to my measly income at the BNZ, it's really, really hard. So we did some modelling around this, and oh, when I say we, it's quite always generous when I say we, when Ed has gone away and tirelessly built another spreadsheet for this, but I take credit for it because name's on the door. So we've worked on the assumption that there's tonnes of equity, because you've got a million dollar house, but no debt. So we've put no home debt, no other debts, no credit cards, any of that stuff. We've wiped all that out. So he could go out and buy two properties straight away with about $1.175 million worth of borrowing, give or take, again, using our normal strategy. So you get a 650 property and a 535 property, so you're probably buying a Christchurch townhouse and a, and a house in Timaru or something like that. You, you could actually go out and do it straight away. And after that, you're probably going to be tapped out because, you know, 100k, add in your other rental income from that, it is around that $1.2 billion. And then on the one income, it would start to say, look, there's no more servicing in there. And we'll talk about some other strategies you could use in terms of burr and renovations in a second. So what I've built is a model of a whole heap of things changing. So 4% income increases every year, 4.8% rental increases, which has been the trade me average, 5% house price increases every year, and 2% cost of living increases. So I've factored all of these things in. And build a spreadsheet. And I must admit, Andrew, at the start, I thought, oh, this isn't going to be very interesting. And then it turned out to be really interesting. And what I've tried to factor <laughs> in is, well, how long would you need to wait until you'd be able to purchase a property? And it depends, how, of course, you know, we're assuming the banks aren't going to change their calculations, which, of course, we know they actually will over time. And, of course, it's also factored in on how much houses increase, because, of course, if you wait five years to buy a property, then, of course, the property is probably going to be more expensive than it is today. So with all of those assumptions, it would be up until year nine till you could borrow the million dollars that it could potentially take to buy a house that is currently worth 650k today. So just to explain that, let's say that you want to buy another 650k house, that's what's worth today. Well, in nine years time, that property is going to be worth about a million dollars. Well, with all of those assumptions, it would take you your nine years before your rents increase, your incomes increase to the point where you'd be able to borrow that million dollars again and go and purchase that property. Now, if prices don't increase at all, let's say we have a flat market, 
it'd still take a bit of time, but it would only take six years in that instance to purchase what for this person would be the fourth property. So the owner-occupier, two investments straight away, and then potentially this other investment in year six. You know, that might sound a bit like, oh... It's a bit harder to get to the 10 properties or 15 properties that some people own. So how does somebody go about growing a portfolio beyond three properties, Andrew? Marry a sugar daddy, I guess, is the best option. But we're going to talk tomorrow about nine tactics that you can use to try and increase your ability to borrow based on servicing. But you need to firstly focus on the constraints. So this person's got huge equity. But the income is the biggest constraint. And of course, banking criteria around that. And 100K is a really good income. As I said before, that's a, a whole lot more percentage-wise than, than what I started with. And it's just a condition of the current climate that we're in. But of course, 100K, as I said before, is a really strong income. But it is just one person earning in this household. And they're borrowing more than a million bucks. So it could be worth considering, you know, partnering up with someone, not for the sole reason of buying more properties like Ed did, but for the fact that, you know, it does help having double income coming into the house. The other thing you could potentially go down, and this isn't one we're going to touch on tomorrow in terms of tactics, is running the renovation strategy. Now, this one is an equity heavy strategy, but relatively income light. And the reason, of course, is that you are renovating properties to increase the cash flow of that. And of course, this person has got a lot of equity to be able to run that renovations-based strategy to afford the high deposit of the existing properties and then able to fund those renovations as well. Now, I've run this based on the assumptions that you could get the gross yield up to 7% of what the mortgage is. So let's say you bought a property and you borrowed 100% of that, that you could get the rent up to 7% per year of what the total borrowing on that property would be. Now, of course, there are some things to think about because if you go and purchase existing properties now, today, then the banks will not consider as much of that rent that comes in compared to a new build. So they're only going to take into account generally 65% of the rent you're going to get, where it'd be 75% for a new build. Now that changes the maths a wee bit. So we said for this person, they'd be able to borrow just under kind of 1.2 mil, 1.175 mil for new builds. I was surprised, Andrew, that it didn't actually go up as much as I thought it would. The amount of borrowing if you've got that 7% yield in terms of your mortgage borrowing, it goes up to 1.9 million. Now that possibly means purchasing three properties instead of two, depending on where you're purchasing and what you're purchasing. But that could be another way if you're stuck on that income, income is your constraint, running a birth strategy. In this instance, it could potentially mean doing three at once rather than only doing two. Correct. And look, let's not forget that this might sound hard when you're thinking, well, I really want to get to 10, but we're also talking about someone on 100 grand owning about $3 million worth of properties with $2 million worth of debt. It is still a sizable portfolio and actually a portfolio that would probably satisfy most people. Not saying you shouldn't push yourself as far as you want to go, but we can't forget that. And of course, in you know six to nine years, you can repeat that process. So you know that old saying, Rome wasn't built in a day, probably springs to mind in this case. And I hope as well that this doesn't discourage people who are just starting out, Andrew, because 
having two properties is better than having none, right? Or having two investment properties is better than having zero. And the reason I say that is that just because it might be harder to get to 10 properties doesn't mean that you shouldn't start on the journey and just get going because it gets easier over time. And we always say that your first property is going to be the hardest. The second one's going to be a bit easier. By the time you've got maybe three or four, some of the rules change, maybe you get some income increases over time above and beyond what we're already factoring in. That's where the maths can start to change. But I also wanted to show how it's different for a double income household because it's just so much easier. So if we run the same assumptions as before and you already know what they are, then if it's a double income household, both on 100K income, so both on really strong incomes, $3 million worth of borrowing for new builds, $4 million worth of borrowing for the birth strategy based on all those assumptions. Now, it's going to be different for each individual person, depending on what you're spending, but these are the ballparks based on the formulas that we get from the banks. $3 million for new builds, $4 million for burp. So that's probably going to get you maybe a portfolio, depending on how you spend it, four, five properties maybe. If you're buying in Auckland, obviously, maybe a bit lower than that. But you'd probably be able to buy a significant amount of property there, Andrew, based on those incomes. But the real difference, though, is that once you're in a double income household and you're purchasing a higher value of assets, so three to four mil in this case, well, I'm picking that if prices go up as we expected, let's say this couple want to purchase what is today a 650k house. Well, with prices rising, they're only going to have to wait four years until they could purchase the additional house or year three, they'd have to wait three years to buy again if prices don't rise and they're in a flat market. Now, why does that happen? Well, as we said, they're purchasing more properties and they've also got two incomes in that specific household. So if you've got two people working, it's going to be a bit easier than if you're in a one income household. And while that might seem a bit sad, that's the maths of it in this situation. So it's going to be a bit harder if you're single compared to if you're loved up. <laughs> Such a great way of putting it. Hey, look, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, make sure you tune in tomorrow because that's where we're going to go through the nine tactics to increase your serviceability. We're calling it if you, what to do if you're seriously stuck on serviceability because there are going to be some tactics you could use. And hey, make sure you check out our YouTube channel because Every Wednesday, 10am, we release a brand new video to teach you something new about property investment, and we do it visually. So if you want to subscribe to that, tap or swipe over the cover art. I'll drop a link in there. Or just Google Opus Partners YouTube, and then hit that subscribe button. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ever Guide. I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time. <laughs>